Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Philippians chapter 2, please. Philippians chapter 2. What do you look for in a healthy church? That has been our topic of discussion this year as we seek to be the kind of people that God wants us to be, to live out the gospel here in Battle Creek for the honor and glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. One of the things that you look for is what does that body of believers, what does that church believe that God has assigned them to do? What is their mission? And we've identified our mission as to multiply Christ-like disciples who are passionate about their God, obedient to the Word, dependent on God through prayer, connected to one another, authentic and relevant in their witness, so that we can multiply Christ-like disciples. We believe that this is what God has identified as our assignment here in Battle Creek, Calhoun County, wherever we go in our area. Now we've talked about being passionate, obedient, dependent. Today we're going to talk about being connected. Next week we're going to talk about being authentic and relevant. So that we might understand exactly what our mission is. Biblical discipleship understands that we are connected to each other. And it is the gospel that connects us. If you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go to the website Listen to last week's message because it it sets up our connectedness as we recognize that that which brings us together is the gospel. Amen? Christ died for all of our sins, according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again. And that is what connects us together. Here in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is identifying how the believers are to live out that connectedness. And he gives to them three truths in these first four verses that will help them understand what they're to do with this gospel, how it helps them relate to each other, how it identifies them within the body of Christ. Jesus said it this way, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. Connectedness. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Christ-like disciples are connected to each other because they're connected to Jesus Christ through the gospel. And so we want to look at this connectedness, and we want to identify how it has worked out in our lives, and then we're going to discuss very quickly how to get reconnected when there is broken connectedness. Did you understand that? Because sometimes our relationships are not all what God wants them to be, and we need to restore those relationships. And how do you do that? We're going to talk about that this morning. Philippians chapter 2, are you there? Let me read for you the first four verses. So if there is, therefore, because of the gospel... So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, you're going to do that, 
but also to the interests of others. We are connected to the gospel. And one of the truths is that there are blessings to this connectedness. Isn't it great to be part of the family of God? I am so thankful that you folks are part of my family. We moved over here from the east side of the state. All of our kids and grandkids are on the east side of the state. But this is our family here in Battle Creek. Isn't it great? And you folks are a blessing. A blessing to Connie, to me. A blessing to each other. Because it's wonderful to be part of this family of God. Amen? Paul recognizes that in the lives of the believers at Philippi. And he begins by identifying the truth that there are blessed relationships in Christ. Verse 1 tells us, Therefore, since there are, and there are four ifs that are, de- de- that are described here in verse 1. Now, the ifs could be translated since. This is not just a possibility. This is not something that just might happen. But it's an identity that we have together in Christ because of the gospel. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ. The word encouragement there is an interesting word. It's the same word that is used to identify the Holy Spirit. The comforter. The one who comes alongside us to minister to us and to share with us and to build us up and to strengthen us. You know, one of the blessings we have in the Christian life is the encouragement of one another. Where we come alongside and we share in each other's lives. Where we bear one another's burdens. And by that we fulfill the the law of Christ, which is to love one another's. I trust you're encouraged as we get together on Sunday morning. I trust that just as you look around and identify others in the body of Christ, that that is in and of itself an encouragement to you because we've all come alongside each other and we are together in the gospel. One of the blessings of the gospel is that we are encouraged in Christ. The idea is that there is a warm and gentle commonality brotherhood within the family. My Connie loves Christmas time. And part of her tradition at Christmas time, and it starts in September, is Christmas Hallmark movies. Now, my Connie irons my shirts. And she will spend hours ironing my shirts watching Christmas Hallmark movies. Now, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Because they all have the same ending, right? Everybody ends up happy. And it all works out. And everybody's smiling. And everybody's encouraged. Why? Because you're home for the holidays. There it is. None of you need to watch another Hallmark Christmas movie. You're welcome. 
But that's the idea here. When we gather together, we're home. And it's okay because we're part of the body and we're sharing in each other's lives and we're ministering to each other and we're hugging one another and we're encouraging one another. It's great. Isn't it great to be home? Because of the gospel, there is encouragement within the family of God where we are connected recognizing the brotherhood that we have, the sisterhood that we have in Christ Jesus as part of the family. That's connectedness. Since there is encouragement, since there is comfort in love. The phrase here in verse 1 is that there is solace. There is a coming together with a close relationship. The NIV translates this, comfort from his love. And it's an affirmation of the love that God has given to us through his son Jesus Christ and the love that we are to disseminate in the family of God. There is comfort in being loved. Every once in a while, I'll say to my Connie, just don't quit loving me. Now, she probably has several reasons that she could. But there is so much comfort in knowing that we are loved. We live in a culture that doesn't know much about real love. And there are people that take their lives because they don't believe anybody loves them. And folks, there is no reason within the family of God and our connectedness to forget that we are not only loved by God, but we are loved by each other. I want you to turn to the person next to you this morning, and I want you to tell them you love them. Now, didn't that feel good? Wasn't that just great? Since there is this connectedness in the gospel, there is real comfort in our love. Not only from God because he always loves us. Nothing will ever separate us from his love. But the fact that we are together and we can love one another. Amen is right. And that ought to just stir our hearts as we affirm what God has done as he has given to us his son, Jesus Christ, and given to us one another. Encouragement in Christ, comfort for love, participation in the Spirit. Do you see that in verse 1? The word is kononia, sometimes translated fellowship. And that's more than two fellows in one ship. It identifies the partnership which is intimate within the connectedness of the body. It is in and through the Spirit. Now, you understand that the Holy Spirit indwells each of us who know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, as His children. Amen? 
May I remind you that that's the same spirit? The same spirit that indwells me indwells John, indwells Dave, indwells Vern, indwells Gary, indwells Pastor. The same one, all right? So we all have the same stuff inside. That's cool. Because if we have the same stuff inside, it's going to provide us the same leadership that we need within the body of Christ. Amen? The Spirit will not take one of us one direction and somebody else another direction so that it causes conflict. The participation of the Spirit allows us to be connected to each other because of who God is in our lives. Remember that the next time you feel disconnected, will you? Understand that it is the Holy Spirit of God that brings us together and it is the same spirit to do his work in our lives. Now, he may do it at a different pace in each of our lives. That's okay. But it's still the work of God. Participation of the spirit. Affection and sympathy. A blessing of the Christian life. I think it's interesting that when the Bible talks about things that are deep within us, it talks about the bowels. That's just interesting to me. And this affection and sympathy is a deep down understanding of care one for another. You know, there are a lot of surface relationships we have them often, don't we? But I wonder how often we really care deep down about something. I mean something that really grabs us. You know what ought to really grab us? Our connectedness within the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not just surface stuff. That's not... That we just meet here at 1625 Capitol Avenue in the Northeast. It's not that we just enjoy the, the choirs they share with us. It's a deep down grabbing of the innermost parts of our being. And it's there because of what God has done in our lives. I'm afraid sometimes... The work of God in our lives is something that we miss seeing. I was reminded this morning in the ABF class that I taught that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Aren't you thankful for that? But I wonder how many times we really identify those good and perfect gifts. And sometimes the good and perfect gifts are God stretching us a bit so that we might be challenged and changed and conformed to the character of his, his son, Jesus Christ. And that's not easy. But if we understand part of the blessing is affection and sympathy deep down, we'll recognize the work of his mercy and his grace and his love. And what he's trying to accomplish for his glory. Amen? 
So the first truth is that there are blessings in our relationship with Christ because of the gospel. The second truth is this. We need to be like-minded like Christ. Now we stopped with verse 4 in our text. I will remind you that verse 5 says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And so here in verse 2, Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. The common experience that Paul had seen in the lives of the Philippian believers encouraged him. He, he was so pleased that he had had an opportunity to identify with this church in Philippi. They'd sent him a gift. They'd ministered to him. They'd shared in his life. But Paul says, you know what really floats my boat? You know what really makes me happy? You know what would complete my joy? It's for us to recognize that we stand together connected under the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he says, you want to complete my joy? It's not just about paying me and sending me a gift of money. It's not just about praying for me. And they did that. You want to complete my joy? Live out Christ-mindedness. Christ-like-mindedness in your lives. Now, this is not uniformity. The gospel does not produce clones. The gospel produces a body that works together. But if that body is going to work together, it has to have one mind. And that one mind is Christ-likeness. And that's so very, very important. Now, there are identifying words here to mind and love. Underline in your Bibles the word same. Make note of the word same, will you please? The word same in the Greek is atos. You might identify that word as automatic. When something is automatic, it just happens, right? That, that's what Autos means. And what Paul begins here to identify is that which ought to naturally, automatically happen in our lives because of whose we are. Some of you came in today and automatically went to your pew. You do it every Sunday. You just come right to wherever you go and you plop it down. Right? That's automatic. Now, why has that become automatic? Because for years and years and years and years, you've done the same thing over and over and over again. Right? That's okay. The thing that helps us with Christ-like mindedness and Christ-like love is to do it over and over and over.
And may I share with you, that's not always natural. If we are going to live out Christ-like mindedness, we need to make that our habitual practice. So that it's just what we do. It's just how we respond. It's how we react. It's how we relate. It's how we share. Just like Jesus would, and that takes continual practice in our lives. You know the reason some of us aren't any good at that? Because it hadn't been our practice. We've used all kinds of excuses not to be of the same mind and not to share the same love. But the more you practice it, the better at it you get. And so Paul says, be of the same mind that you would find in Christ Jesus. You know, the mind is very important because what you think is what you will do. Proverbs says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23. And the Bible tells us that we are to renew our minds. Romans 12 be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that we are to renew the spirit of our minds. And 1 Peter says that we are to prepare our minds for action. So Paul begins with, if you want to make me happy, start thinking properly. Get your mindset where it ought to be. I had lunch yesterday with some of our guys, and I, I really enjoyed it. And one of the things I really enjoyed was that one of us, one of the guys at the table, was on this keto diet. Now, the person who was ordering ordered some extra bread for us from Clara's. You ever had their, their bread? It is to die for. Also ordered some fried mushrooms. You ever have their fried mushrooms? Good stuff. And so I'm sitting next to this guy who's on this keto diet, and I'm thinking, I wonder if he's going to cheat. Because I'm telling you, bread and mushrooms that are fried and breaded aren't on that diet. You want to know what happened? He said, I'm on this diet, and I can't have any. Isn't that cool? He'd made up his mind. And although he had to make that decision at that point, it wasn't a struggle for him because he'd always already figured out what he was going to do. If we're going to live out the mind of Christ, we'd better already have it figured out what we're going to do. When somebody rubs you the wrong way, if you're going to respond properly, you'd better already have it figured out what you're going to do. Because otherwise you won't respond properly. 
It needs to become automatic as we think out what God would have us do in like-mindedness of His Son, Jesus Christ. And sometimes you need to act and not react. Because if you're acting, you've already figured it out. If you're just reacting, you probably mess it up. Because your reaction probably isn't going to be good. And not only the same mind, but the same kind of love. What kind of love did Christ have? We could go and read the text that said, being in the form of man, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took upon himself with no reputation, became a servant, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. If you haven't got it figured out, you won't do it. But if you've got it figured out, you'll do it. That's the same love that we have. One for the other. Love is a decision. It's not an emotion. And many times it doesn't come naturally to us when it involves anything but loving ourselves. Verse 4, and we'll get there in just a minute, says, look not on your own interests. Why? Because you're going to do that. We're going to love ourselves. But if we're going to know the love of God, we need to love one another because we're connected to each other through God's Son, Jesus Christ. And the last part of verse 2 says, being in full accord and of one mind. What in the world does that mean? It means we have the same purpose, we have the same goal, we have the same focus. Right? We'll talk about it in a minute, but whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do what? All to the glory of God, right? That is our purpose. That is what God has called us to do. That is our directive. And if we will have the same mind and the same love, then we will recognize that we're all going the same direction for the same reason. And that's to glorify God. We'll also get connected with our motives. Our motives in Christ. Now in verses 3 and 4, there's two negatives and two positives. First, the negatives. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Selfish ambition. Promoting ourselves, putting ourselves forward. It's all about me. We live in the age of selfies. You don't have to read too many Facebook posts to discover what people are promoting these days, do you? Look what I did. Look where I've been. Look what's happened to me. But within the body of Christ, it's not about you, it's about Him. And our relationship with each other. And so He begins by saying, 
Don't look on your own selfish ambitions. What you want. Yeah, but I like what I want. And by the way, I'm right about what I want. Oh, really? Does that mean if somebody else likes something different than you like, they're not right? That's the way we act. Selfish ambition does not help connectedness. And neither does conceit. Empty conceit. I have my rights. It's about me. My feelings were hurt. I didn't get to do. Go on down the line. But I'm thankful he doesn't end with these negatives, aren't you? He says, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. I get the biggest kick out of seeing other people succeed in their lives, in their Christian lives. It's great. And I don't care who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory. Amen? And the, the blessedness is, is seeing someone else grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ and become a success in their Christian life. Paul tells us that we are to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And then he just lays it out there. Count others more significant than yourselves. Whoa, that ain't natural. It's not. But that's part of our connectedness. And how do we do that? Verse 4, let each of you Look not on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. If you get blessed, I'm blessed. If you are encouraged, I'm encouraged. If you are growing, that's wonderful. If God is working in your life, isn't it great? John said this in 3 John. I have no greater joy than to see my children walking in the truth. And our motives are not about ourselves. They're about seeing others built up in their connectedness with Christ. Amen? Now, how do we keep these gospel relationships healthy? Very quickly, four principles. These are not original with me, but come from a guy by the name of Ken Sandy. He's written a book called Peacemakers. But they're important. Principle number one. It's all about bringing glory to God. When you get sidewise with somebody, step back and recognize the purpose in your relationship with that individual. And that purpose is to glorify God. Amen? And if we all have the same purpose, then we ought to all get together all right, okay? Number two, get the log out of your own eye. Remember what Jesus said? 
He said, how come you're interested in taking the toothpick out of somebody else's eye when you got a log in your own eye? And I have discovered in my life, you may not be this way, but this way I am. The things that really bug me are the things I struggle with. Think about it. I mean, I mean, the things that really bother me are the things I find that are part of my life. Get the log out of your own eye. Number three, go. Go. You've heard me say it time and time again, it's always your turn. Jesus said in Matthew 5, you go to the altar and you remember your brother's got against it, leave your gift at the altar, go. He said in Matthew chapter 18, if you've got ought against a brother, go, go. It's always your turn and we never have an excuse not to go. We never have a biblical reason not to go. We may say, well, I'm afraid what I might say or what I might do. Well, if that's true, then you'd better start thinking like Christ. Because I'm not afraid of anybody approaching me with Christ-likeness and reestablishing my relationship. And lastly, gently restore. It's like mending a broken bone. You ever been to a doctor that had absolutely no bedside manner? Don't you love those guys? Within the body of Christ, we ought to have all the bedside manner in the world because we're all sinners saved by grace. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 4, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And you know, when I look at my life, I recognize I ain't so hot either. Gently restore. Biblical discipleship means that we are connected within the body of Christ because of the gospel. And it is the gospel that makes all the difference in the world. If we're going to be a healthy church, we need to recognize that it is our mission to be connected one to another. And that connectedness is because of what God has done in each of our lives through His Son, Jesus Christ.